Welcome to Courageous Conversations with Teresa W. Gamble, powered by Concierge Resource Professional Consultants. Courageous Conversations is a diversity, equality, and inclusion initiative. It's a gracious space for meaningful discussions about culture, life, business, work, learn, live, worship, and play. Today, we're going to talk about black love, about marriage in the African-American culture. Today, this is your host, Teresa Gamble. I am with my amazing husband of 34 years. It will be July 22nd, 2021. Mr. Ernest Gamble Sr. Hey, honey. Hello. How you doing, Teresa? So today, we're going to talk about we have uh, so much to be thankful for and to celebrate for still being married um, all this time. I've been with him most of my life. I met him when I was 16 in high school. He was a van driver at the church, and we dated for two and a half, almost three years, and courted. And um, after I graduated high school, uh, he proposed to me, and we got married that following year, which was in, I graduated in 1988. We got married July 22nd, 1989, and we've been together ever since. Well, actually since um, uh, 1996, so we got to add those years, make sure nobody thinks we just all of a sudden got hitched, like these people want to get married real fast and put a ring on it. We ain't, we ain't putting no ring on it. We we dated a while. I know you said it, but I want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we dated we in, 19, in 96. In eight, eight, 1986. 1986, okay. 1986. Is when we started dating <laughs> until I graduated high school in 1988. Yeah. And then we got married a year later, the day before his birthday. So not only July of 2021 is special for us every year, it's our wedding anniversary, which is on July 22nd, and his birthday, July 23rd, so he won't forget our wedding anniversary. Whatever. We didn't do it for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to keep you in check about the, you know, them dates and stuff, so now we just have fun with each other like that. Yes, we do. We talk about black love, and um, it's just amazing you know, to think about and contemplate on you know, um, the years and stuff, you know, dating and coding and you know, being engaged and things like that. And then finally, about two and a half years later, we did start raising our family, you know, our first son in 91. And so about two years later on, 93, the baby son. And yep. that was it, though, you know. Yeah, so. we, we stopped at two boys. Yep. Um, yep. And um, they are twin. They are 20. Nine. Well, well, one, the oldest one is thirty, and the uh, youngest right. one is twenty-eight. That's right. The yes. oldest one just had a birthday in May of this year, so yeah. he's thirty, and, and youngest is twenty-eight. And amazing, we have two uh, awesome grandkids, which is our oldest his grandson is um, he's six, okay. and our uh, youngest granddaughter she'll be one in she'll October. Be one in October, okay. Yep, wow. she so was time is just really moving. Yep, she was born during mm-hmm. the pandemic, so we already know both of them are going to be special. And a lot, of, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And a lot of times they ask, you know, hey, Ernest and Teresa, how y'all just did it? You know, one of the things I remember I wrote is um, um, one of the chapters in one of my books that's coming out pretty shortly or soon that um, when two history collides. Yep. And so when you got two families, you know, even though both both of us, you know, we grew up in the church, we had two different families, but when you had two history of people, a generation of people. 
and you know you grew up in some different you know atmosphere of things and you know, how your family side brought you up and mine's on as well but it's just amazing how that our history collided where we had a lot in common yes we did he yeah, grew up um you grew up in a single family home i grew <laughs> up in a two-parent home but my dad worked all the time so i felt like i was in a single parent <laughs> home because yeah. he was always working um he was a longshoreman so he worked round the clock all the time and not knowing uh, ever crossing paths as we started dating he was grew up in a neighborhood probably about a half a mile up the street from where i lived at in jacksonville florida yeah. And both of us are preacher's children. We both of us are middle children. Both of us... Um, what that? Four, number four in each family? <laughs> yes. Family. We're number four. My mom lost yeah. a, a, a son in between me and my older sister. So it would have been five of us. So I would have been the middle child um, I, um, if he would have lived. So we had a lot of commonalities in that retrospect. We both loved music. That was our jam. He yeah. was a percussionist. I sung in the choir in church. <laughs> and um, and we just loved music. Every, every time we rode in the car, he had his music on. I had my music on. When we got married, we forever always played music in the house. Brought our kids up, right. listened to it, even to our grandkids to the right. day. So music is that thread that has been part of our marriage and our relationship as long as we can remember. Um, I was not afraid of getting married early like I did because in ninth grade, my life management teacher asked me, where did I see myself five years after I graduated from high school? Right. And I actually wrote out and described the type of husband I wanted, oh, wow. you know, the characteristics I wanted That's in a right. husband. You know, I didn't want a husband that would tell me yes to everything I wanted. I wanted a husband that would tell me no, no, we got to take care of these things and these matters of the house first. And I respected that. And then there was times we came together when we was trying to work towards some goals, not just for me and him, right. but for the family in general. Right, exactly. And so, um, uh, piggyback off that, what you just said, Teresa, it made me thought about again what I mentioned about um, when two history collides. When you meet someone um, to come in contact for, you know, being in a relationship, like me and you have been, and we've been together this long, and, you know, oftentimes, again, people say, how do y'all do it? Well, we did it because we communicate. Yes. You know, we sit down and, and both of us um, manage, you know, to go over the budgets and stuff. Yes. Um, especially for, like, myself being a man that grew up in a house without a father figure. Right. In a house like that. But one of the things that I did learn was I was able to watch, you know, my mother as she, you know, handle, you know, those bills and things like that. And then being growing up in church right you know yeah. being a you know having a deacon you know um, they always call me little deep growing up like that and right. so you you take up offering and you learn how to um be part of that uh financial um department you know right. taking an offering then when i got in school like elementary teresa right 
one of the things we learned was, you know, home economics. You know, they taught different things like that. Well, I already knew how to do banking because, why well, I did it in church and watch your mom, you know, go pay her bills and go to the bank with her as well. That's so, why no, so no, I want to jump in here. This yeah. is why parents need to teach their kids early on, including their grandkids. Yeah, that's You know, true. how to count money, you mm-hmm. know, how to save money, mm-hmm. you know, because those skill sets will stay with them as long as they become an adult. Exactly. Ahead, and so on on, on, uh, on the closing note of that, that um, when two history collide, because I came from a one-parent home and she came from a two-parent home, and we, you know, and, and they still had their rules and, and, and how their family tradition raised and, and vice versa. So when we learned, you know, each other lifestyle or their family history, we was able to use some of the components that both sides was able to do. And then we also was able to create our own. And sometimes what was shared from each side didn't work. Right. So that means we had to compromise. We had to compromise, and not and not just only compromise. Sometimes it, it it didn't fit for that life moment at that time or that season. So later on in life, you know, we was able to go back and retrack and say, "Oh, hey, it come up again. Here we go again." Right. So, but we didn't beat each other down. No. You know, we didn't fuss, and because I was the man of the house, and because you know that is the king of the house, and this is our castle, man. Everything in our household, we should know how to do. Right. You wouldn't want nobody to come on the outside. And, you know, even though she got her family and I got mine, to come in and clean your house, you know, pay your bills, you know, if your wife's sick, right? No, you take care of her. If you get to a point where you need assistance, then you go to following your family. But not just say, hey, my wife's sick, I need somebody from her side of the family to come. No, that's my job. Right. right, that's the man's job to make sure that if that wife's not feeling good, you should you should be also participating, cooking, cleaning, raising the kids, you know, picking them up from school. Hey, we did together. Exactly. Right, Always. And one thing mm-hmm. I loved about Ernest, even though when I was sick and I was down like that, he would never let anyone in the family of church members or friends see me undone. No. And not at no. my best. No. He never, he shielded and protected me even when I was at my weakest and lowest point yeah. because he did not want anyone to take advantage of me when I was at that vulnerable state. Yeah. And that was one thing I respected and loved him so much. And that's why it's important when you have sons, you have to teach them about chivalry, yeah. you know, how to treat women, you know, like a lady, how to respect them, you know, in at, in the home mm-hmm. between your mom, between mom and your sisters. So that way, when they get in public, they know how to demonstrate the same thing, and they know how to demonstrate that in the public with other women, not to be fresh no, and flirtatious, exactly. yeah. but to be to, to be show a chivalry That's right. and to be a gentleman. Show there's a, there's a difference. That is a totally difference. That's a difference. And, and one thing we did, we taught the boys. They had to take mama out on the date first before they actually <laughs> went on the date. So Ernest played the chauffeur, yeah. and our sons, you know, was the ones that actually was taking. Me on the date, and yeah, we gave them a prepaid card to be able to, to teach them how to pay for the meal. To te- in other words, teaching them to take a young lady to places that's not a nightclub, that's very aggressive, that's in an unsafe neighborhood, unsafe community, but somewhere nice and pleasant. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, those other things will be good too later on in life and down the line as well. But you want to let them know that there are other nice 
um, things out there, what we call five-star restaurant, four-stars, etc. Right. Um, but we, we definitely wanted to make sure that it was all around. Exactly. It was all around. Um, be responsible. Um, one of the good things that I do um, want to um, share with you, Teresa, what I enjoy uh, as well, um, when you talk about being down, you know, things like that. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. You know, um, one of the things that I learned that I didn't have to learn and I didn't have to hesitate about it, if you wasn't feeling well, uh, there was an occasion where you had surgery and things like that, sometimes we had to take the lead where, you know, a lot of times they invite the sisters in, the moms in, the church people in, like you were saying earlier, and bathe you and clothe you and make sure that you're fine and well-kept and stuff like that. No, it's good that I did that job. Right. And okay. I, you know, because if I was down and sick, you know, it's common to see a woman do all these things for the man. Right. But it's very hard to find a man to bathe his own wife. Exactly. Right? You love her, right? You take care of her, right? Right. You know, and then there come times when y'all two come together, you know, as far as intimacy and love chat, right? Right. And yet you can't take the time out and stay home and bathe her. What? Make, prepare her food. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes if you have to go to work, prepare her that meal before she leaves. Before you leave, prepare her a meal so if she can if she can get up enough to get in the kitchen or whatever, or just sit by bed, something that don't spoil, and she can have that in between and, and something to eat. And when you come out, sometimes even on my lunch break, you know, I, I used yeah. to come back, I still check on yeah. you, right? Yeah, <laughs> So we want to make sure, I want to make sure that even if she went in the hospital and before anybody come visit her, I made sure that, you just ain't to see her any kind of way. Cause why? She had to. I had to make sure that she have nice bed gowns and things like that. Make sure her hair and all that done. I don't want nobody coming in. The doctor done, you know, done did all that stuff. Got band aid and, and and all kind of surgery tape on you, right? And you just looking any kind of way. No. But that's a good point because that's also demonstrating part of the wedding vows. That's and right. Sickness and in health. That's right. And it's not that you were being controlling and you didn't want nobody to help. Mm-hmm. It was the fact you was acting out the marital vows. That's right. And that was when I was in sickness, when I was recovering from my, um, uh, dealing with my ovarian cancer that I've been in remission now going on um, close to 18 years and now over- overcoming um, opioids from invisible illnesses like fibromyalgia mm-hmm. and hypertension and vertigo and rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, I've had a lot of health challenges, and the one constant person I always could count on was my husband to be there in my vulnerability. And it, and he did that to check on me on lunch break and to do all those things so I could get rest and recover. And recover, that's And right. not have the home be a revolving door with family and friends who's keeping me up, having me talking, having me laughing, and yeah. I'm not rested. And then when he get home... I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm ready to go to sleep, and I can't spend that time with him. But you know, even even when it ain't a major situation where you're in the hospital or laying on your back, even when a woman just ain't feeling good, period. Right. You know, because sometimes when they get home from work or just in the course of the day, they may just come home from church, they may not feel good, right? True. And so, you know, when we had the kids and all, there still comes a time when a man has to go ahead and let you rest. And that's what I did. I let right. you rest. I didn't make you say, hey, baby, when you get off the road, you go home and cook. No, I cook, right? Right. And sometimes you, I didn't have to come home first. Or we, a lot of times we rode together because we had one car. Right. And then sometimes if she home first, she'll start stuff. If she didn't feel good, I still come home and prepare and she'll prepare. 
And that was been many times from even going to doctor visit, Teresa. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Just, just even. I, I mean, I'm a workaholic, but when it was time for you to go to hospitals and cl- and check up, right. yeah, I didn't let he nobody all, go in all, my place. Exactly, that's he was right. always there, and you were there for me like that. Always, and like that, we also shared the responsibilities, making sure the boys' homework was done every oh night. Oh my God! Um, we had yes. a system. Um, every on Sunday after church. That was time where we prep and we get ready for the whole week. The whole week. So, Ernest's role was to... I do all the ironing for everybody clothes for the whole week. And the boys wore uniforms at that time. So, they yeah. had the uniform shirt, the pants. We, um, we had to get underclothes out. We had to get tennis shoes out. Yeah. Um, sometimes, they um, then I would check homework, make sure all plans are signed, make sure all the homework is done. So, every Friday when the boys came home from school, they had to bring all their books home. So whatever they didn't finish in school earlier that week, they worked on it that weekend, and they get it turned back in by that Monday or either prepare for any tests they got coming up next week. Now, now, Teresa and I are doing all this prepping and all this stuff we're talking about. (laughs) Now, remind you all, we was was dedicated going to church as well as going to our full-time job. Yeah, we was full-time ministry, full-time Oh working, sometimes full-time job, part-time job, and full-time ministry. Yeah. The boys in extracurriculum activities after school, if it wasn't band, it was football, it was, it was um, drama team in yep. church, um, I was involved with, you know, certain auxiliaries in ministry, so was yep. Ernest. So, I mean, we, we would, would leave our house um, pitch black in the morning at 5 a.m. And then come home pitch black at night. <laughs> yeah. And the boys didn't catch the school bus. So, mm-hmm. we, we transported them back and forth to school. All their years. All of 12 years of yeah. their education. Mm-hmm. So, they never rode the school bus. Oh, and that, that ain't counting when you, even when you were going to college back and forth. Yeah, that's true. That ain't counting when I was um, going and looking after, you know, doing lawn services and things like that. Repair houses and pet. I'm talking talking about our life was just sometimes we didn't realize how, how we were doing this right and a lot of people didn't realize it, how we did yeah. everything and, and was able to stay on top of everything, everything exactly so, so it required yeah. us to really had to work as a team mm-hmm. not just um for to create and build family and for love but also to work toward creating our sons to be not dependent, but independent. And then even days where we had just our regular days off and things like that, or I, I, I was just thinking about how much time, yeah, I had to spend with the boys outside and teaching them, you know, uh, outdoors, you know, how to, um, you know, do things outdoors, build clubhouses on. Sometimes I would just take them and, and just, just take them off and go show them riding bicycles, ride them around in the city and, and take them to places. And now, you know y'all was doing all that when yeah. I was at school. So, I wouldn't be with them, y'all. Yeah, I would be in class there. somewhere at night. Exactly. And he would, while they're waiting for me to get out of class, because, again, we only had one car. Yeah. That was the time he spent that quality time, taking them to the park, if there was one at my school, taking them, you know, walking, taking them back riding, taking yep. them to the beach, to the yep. waterfront. Oh, my God. You know, teaching them how to change a tire with yep. the tire or Change the oil in the you car. Said, you said we only had one car. Even when we had two cars, that was time we had three and four cars, and you know, big houses and nice things and like that. But we was able to make it work. Exactly what we had. What we had, and then sometimes you said, "Well, didn't you miss a lot of um, fun and you know traveling and stuff?" No, we did that too. Yeah, we did that on, on on birthday. We call what me you call what me time uh, and, right. and, and holidays. Sometimes we just say, "Hey." 
we're going out. We're just going to get a hotel somewhere, it right? Will, it will be spontaneous yeah. because we couldn't plan anything. Yeah. Because during that time, um, he worked he worked the night shift. I worked the days because it was an issue with child care. We, you know, we couldn't get the um the people that care for our boys to make sure their homework was done. So we had to split nine years of our marriage. Yes. Ernest had to work that <laughs> night shift, which sometimes would be overnight. Yeah, it would definitely be overnight. Was, during the day, so when he gets off in the morning, we've already gone for the day. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we didn't get a chance to see each other but one day a week on Sundays. Yeah. And that's where your love has to be really strong for each other and your marriage. And that's why we keep saying communication is key. We just didn't call and text each other when it was an emergency. No. We called and checked on each other just yeah. because. Just because and to make sure that everything was well, um, and even when you talked about that night shift and things, and we had one car and stuff like that, and then like, and these was time when we really had one car, yeah. and that was time when I let her keep the car all the time, all the time. In other words, I, I if I had to walk to work, I walked to work, caught the bus, caught the bus. If I had to ride a bicycle, I rode the bicycle, and she still had the car. I didn't care if they went all over the world, or Jacksonville, anywhere. It didn't matter because why. I always feel like the woman and the kid should have the car. And if I wanted to get somewhere, I'm the man. Then, you know, if, it, if it's possible where the things oftentimes came where she didn't, didn't didn't really have to use a car for anything and there wasn't no church night or activity night, whatever, very rarely, even then, I would still say, no, I'll walk to work, i catch the city bus, i ride the bike, and a lot of times she would drop me off and pick me up. And a lot of time when when he had to, we had to do that situation where I ain't had no choice but to ride the bicycle, Teresa, yeah. or walk because why? Like I said, our kids ain't never caught a yellow bus, no. nor the city bus. No, now, even though I trained them how to catch the city bus when they got older. When they got older, but they never caught the <coughs> yellow bus, right? Because why we our plan and structure was we know we was gonna lose out on some good activities being together, but we didn't miss a lot. Because we had a lot of fun. Right. We had a lot of fun. And planning was one of the big obligations. Always, always. So mm-hmm. we just wanted to share you a little bit what, you know, what 30, 34 years we'll be celebrating <laughs> this year. Me yeah. and him both didn't ever think or even imagine, you yeah. know, to live long enough to see it. Yeah. But I wouldn't trade anything in the world. This is my life partner. This is my best friend. My ride or die. This is the person I can cry with. The person I can have um, courageous, criti- um, critical conversations with. Yeah. <laughs> um, the person that will tell me the truth and, you know, uh, tell me, you know, compliment me often, appreciate and celebrate me just like the first day when we met. Which yeah. That was so yeah. fun. But to let you guys know, we are writing a marriage book because we do get asked the question a lot. Yeah. How do we do it? What was our secret? Yeah. How do we stay together so long? Um, do we go through issues with family members and siblings and stuff? Yes, yeah. we have our moments. We yeah. have our good days and, and, and our and, bad and, days. And, and Teresa, even even with, with, with ourselves where we, we, we come to every life of years go by, it always brings something new or something the same or something in the past may come up again because that's just the way how they say as the world turns and sometimes things will come back up again. And when we are, um, we, me and Teresa, we, we, me and you get to the place where we're not a, um, 
abusive to each other. No, we're never if, if, physical if, abusive. And, and, and if we never. ever come to a, a disagreement, and a lot of times, and we realize it's okay, because I talked about that when two history collides, because right. everything that she still may be learning, you know, she have a whole long history to her from her generation and mine as well, we don't make it where we are fighting with each other about right. it. Right. No no one person is dominant yeah. over the other. And even with problems and stuff and trials right. and stuff. And uh, we we have our uh, agreement and we have our disagreement. And then we also have what Teresa said one time earlier in the statement. We, we compromise. Right. Yes, we compromise. And then like she was saying, complimenting, you know, you know, things about her. You know, complimenting her, encouraging her. We pray for each other. All the time. All the time. So, uh, you know, for healing, for mm-hmm. strength, you know. Mm-hmm. When one is down, the other one is up. Everything that we're sharing and discussing with each of you, that makes up black love. But what makes it even more amazing is that everything that we've shared with you briefly, mm-hmm. it is part of the marital vows. Yeah. It's saying, um... To, in sickness and in health, yeah. for rich or for poor, Better which for both worse. of us have lost our jobs at the same time <laughs> one time. That's why I said y'all got to read the book. We got some stories for you. Yes. And, and then so until really death do your part. Right. Yeah. So sorry, we, baby, go ahead. No, you're no, fine. No. So we're just hitting some nuggets that we yeah. want to share with you. Yeah. This week, we're celebrating our anniversary you know, loving on each other because we yeah. have a lot to be thankful for that we're still among the land of the living yeah, with this but, pandemic. Because I can tell you now, there's time during our uh, marriage, you know, we've been in an accident where we literally almost came to losing our life. Yes. You know, and things like that. We even had with people itself wanting, you know, us separated, you know, by all kind of confusion and, you know, people sometimes even in a physical way. But we know at the same time, you know, because our faith is to believe in God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit for protection and love us. And we, you know, praise and worship them, right? They are God we serve. And so, but they kept us through these things. They kept us through our jobs where, you know, the jobs didn't treat us right. It's a lot of components, pieces we're talking about and we're mentioning because we want you to know that it's a lot of areas that we know a lot of people are right. dealing with. And so sometimes, you know, we can't just give you the... The, the, all the nuggets and the meat of what we're saying. Right. Yeah. And marriage, it takes work. But we don't, again, my husband mentioned earlier, there we never uh, have an abusive relationship. We never have. That's one thing I can truly say. And, For 34 years, Ernest Sr. has never raised his hand, threatened me to do any type of bodily or physical harm, any yeah. emotional, mental harm. If anything, we walk away, cool mm-hmm. off, pray, Mm-hmm. And before the sun go down on our on the raft, according to scripture, yeah. we make it right. But then uh, a good thing too, Teresa, with that added to um, a, a, a lot of time, abuse don't have to be the physical, just right. verbal, mental. You know, sometimes just doing habit little things. You know, and a lot of time we hit me her have a strong agreement. If it's something that you see, something that I'm doing may offend you, say something. Right. We both have that. And this is what we're talking about. This is how you learn abusive things and abusive ways. Because sometimes you can say, oh, baby, it's okay. And it's not okay because you feel in some kind of way. No, you need to say something. Right. You know, or if you do something in a habit and say, you know, hey, you bring me my food and I'll tell you thank you. Okay. No. Thank you, sweetie. You know, a lot of times we take advantage of that and we don't look at it as an abusive behavior pattern right. on these little things, you know. Another thing too for I'm gonna let you finish the last piece out, Teresa. A lot of time you don't have to wait for her birthday. Man, right. you don't have to wait for birthdays and all that. Always think about her 
something that she may see, like you say, in the window shopping. Go get a card or something if you don't know what to say. And don't wait for birthdays and holidays. Right. Don't wait for a marriage counseling yeah. or for a marriage book or somebody to tell you to do something nice for your woman. Right. Just be do be it. creative. Yeah. Be yeah, creative. Um, like we said again, don't always just call and check on your spouse when it's emergency or nine one one. That's a good point. Always call and just check in just because yeah, if how they you doing? they on a job but they can't talk, yeah. a text message will suffice. Yeah. A emoji will suffice. Well, yeah, I like or, what you used to do with me, Teresa. Sometimes just drop by and say, Hey, I better bring you something to eat. And what? That's true. Yes. I will drop uh, uh yeah. spontaneously, bring him a snack, yep. bring him a smoothie. Yep, you know, something to, to you know, to cool mm-hmm. him off because he worked outside a lot to make sure he was safe. So we just wanted to share our black love story with you. And there is so much more to come in the book. So hopefully this time next summer that the book will be out. As well as you can get some tips, some tricks, some nuggets. And all those good things so you can work at that marriage and make it the best relationship you've ever had. Good old uh, lifestyle to say uh, answers and solutions. Yes. Yeah, that's a supper for the year. Answers and solutions. So, married couples, we just want to encourage each of you that Ernest Senior and Teresa Gamble is want to encourage you that black love is magic when you work at it. It's a a holy place. I want to hear that because you got me. Outro. Five, four, three, two, one. You've been listening to Courageous Conversations with Teresa W. Gamble. Courageous Conversations is powered by Concierge Resource Professional Consultants. Would you like to be a guest and have your stories, lessons, and best practices be captured in our audio encyclopedia? We're currently reviewing applications for future guests to join us, and we're especially interested in creating space for long-standing or multi-generational black-owned businesses. For more information and to be considered, please email info at C-R-P-C-N-O-W dot com to request an application. And remember, do not get weary in well-doing. You shall reap if you faint not. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9.